Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm Robin Robertson, the creator and host of this podcast, as well as a home educating parent myself. Our kids, our teenagers now, and we've been on this life learning journey together for 10 years and counting. And you know what? It always looks different. Every year it changes, it grows, it develops. Sometimes we feel like we might be taking a few steps back before we take steps forward. And I think the biggest thing is like you, it's a constant learning process. And I think like you, if you're coming to the show, you're looking for answers to questions, maybe connection to community, research or learning more or to be inspired or encouraged. And really, you know, that's what I was looking for and continue to look for as well. I just want to let you know that there are ways and and places that we provide that support, not only through this podcast, but through my extended community. I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. And that link is in the show notes, or you can go to my website under join our community. That is a private community where I host monthly Q and A's. I provide extra resources and downloads, and it's a chance to interact directly with me as well. So that is one of the fantastic ways. This year, I offer to every level, have access to everything, all of the videos, downloads, and the live Q&A as well. And that's going to be going until the end of this year, uh, 2022. We also have our clubhouse where we meet regularly. Um, I host a room at least once a week, but I have other members as well that host fantastic rooms and conversations. And each year, twice a year, I host a masterclass. So just stay tuned to listen to when my next masterclass will begin. We just finished our last one the end of October and my cup is filled. Um, Really, it's such a great chance to connect with parents, uh, for them to connect and really to feel inspired. And every time I've hosted that class, I come out, you know, just, you know, I, I feel my heart grows and it was the same with this last one as well. So the parents that participated in this last masterclass, I want to say thank you. Um, and I'm looking forward to a long extended friendship as well too. Okay, and now for this episode, which you're tuning into. So this episode really focuses on self-directed learning, independent, meaningful learning, and the growing research that parents are really looking to this as an important standard for their children's education and learning. So there was a recent survey conducted in families in the United States, and it really share that education is a tipping point. Most parents' goals for their children actually don't line up with the priorities of the traditional education system. And this is according to a new survey from Mosaic, which is a digital platform dedicated to supporting independent learning. And on this episode, I interviewed Bonnie Benjamin Ferris of Mosaic. She's the interim executive director of Mosaic and Bill Vesneski, who is the head researcher on that survey. He's also faculty in the University of Washington. This is a fantastic interview. Um, We talked about the survey, the feedback, what they've learned from parents as well, uh, and what parents are really looking for, what what children are looking for, and how we can continue to support that in our communities and how they are looking to support that in their communities. So I encourage you to go to the website, wearebornto-learn.org, and that is where you'll find the research from this data, from the survey. I'll also include all these links in the show notes as well. So listen in, let me know what you think, and enjoy the episode. So welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm very excited to have two wonderful guests on the show today. I'm joined by Bill Vesneski and Bonnie Benjamin Ferris. Welcome to both Bill and Bonnie for coming on today. Thanks for being here. 
Thank you for having us. My pleasure. So maybe we can start first with a little introductions. Bonnie, can you tell us who you are and um, maybe a little bit of where you are and how you came to be connected with me or in what way? And then Bill, will hand that over to you. Wonderful. And Robin, thank you again for for having us today. And, and um, uh, we we're excited to engage in this conversation. So I'm Bonnie Benjamin Ferris. I have the honor of serving as the interim executive director for a global platform called Mosaic. Uh, we are born to learn. I also have the honor of serving as the managing director of Westfall Family Philanthropy, um, who founded Mosaic. And Robin, we came to be connected um, because I think we have a, a shared vision of, uh, of creating space for parents and their young people to look at all the opportunities of choice for their learning pathways that are out there. And so I'm excited to share more about Mosaic with you and, and your audience and um, for Bill uh, to also share some of the really groundbreaking research that we've done uh, since the most since the pandemic, you know, asking parents how they were feeling and and what they were looking for in their learning environments. Okay, fantastic. Welcome. Thank and you. Bill, how are you connected to Bonnie and Mosaic? Yeah. Um, so I came to this work through my relationship with Bonnie. We've been colleagues for <clears throat> quite a number of years, um, and I decided to take on this project and do the research because it align I'm a faculty member at the University of Washington School of Social Work and all my work has been uh, around youth and children and kind of children's relationship to schools and, and, and to kind of larger systems, criminal justice system. And um, this seemed like a great opportunity to kind of bring some of that expertise to bear and kind of think about the experiences that youth are having outside of some of the systems I'm, I'm used to working with them in, in a social work setting and to really understand, um, you know, what they want from their educational experiences and, and what they could potentially want from, from environments that allow them to kind of direct their own learning. Um, yeah. And so, and then I, you know, we became connected, um, the work with Bonnie and, and and the work that you're doing to kind of promote promote this stuff and, and help people understand it better. Okay, thank you. So I just have a quick question, and maybe you both can give a little insight onto this. So Mosaic, the tagline, we are born to learn. What does that mean to both of you? Well, I can go first, and then I'll lob to Bill. So every one of us are born with this innate intrinsic desire to experience the world. I mean, I remember with my children, just their innate desire, what are you doing? I want to touch everything. I want to put everything in my mouth. I want to experience things. Oh, let me run over there. I mean, it just, it runs the the gamut and then, you know, expands as they get older and, and develop more independence and confidence. And we're all born with that. And I think that, and here's my point of view, I think that some traditional education environments tend to suppress or stamp that innate desire to learn. My son, for example, who's now in his early 20s, exceptionally creative, always saw the world, the world as a story or as a, a picture. Um, and, you know, he and, and children like him don't always fit in a traditional academic setting focused on standardized tests and, um, and grade level achievements. And that's a struggle for so many kids. So that innate, we're very focused in my career, I've been very focused on supporting all young people, you know, regardless of sort of their, the superpowers they come to the table with. Um, and, you know, just back to your question, every single one of us is born with that, you know, explorer within. Mm. The explorer within. I think we are all born with that. And Bill, what about you? What does we are born to learn 
yeah. really mean for you? I, I I totally agree with everything Bonnie just said. Um, you know, and I think we are born to learn in our own way. Um, we learn uh, how we learn as individuals, and I, I think this has been one of the challenges for youth in school and I think for just people in general is that we kind of have one model of what learning is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then if you don't learn that way, then there's, then you're kind of marginalized mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and then, and then, you know, shamed and stigmatized around it. And I think we're born to learn and we're um, curious and explorers and we're curious and we explore in our own way. And I, I think that that's, that's kind of an, an inherent um, that kind of attribute of being alive and being human. Um, yeah, so it, I, I hadn't really thought about the tagline that that deeply until now um but uh yeah but uh it, it's very powerful um so an attribute to being alive and being human you know it's interesting and, and this is something we can explore more but i i also want to get into how mosaic specifically supports that but it's interesting how you know, you both talked about it being innate, being an attribute to being alive and being human, but yet we've somehow created systems that um, kind of define it only being successful in learning in a certain way, that it's not looking and supporting humans <laughs> in their innate ability to learn in their own unique ways. And Bonnie, you talked about your son as a specific example as well. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's important that we that we really find more ways to support the humanness in us all. <laughs> and I think that, you know, and that extends not just to, you know, education, but I think that extends to all facets of our world and life, making the world a better place. But, um, you know, it, I, I would love to talk more about how we, we also possibly came to this or feel that as parents, there's only one way that it should be done. Um, but before we do that, because that could be a whole rabbit hole that we could go down and talk about for hours upon hours, I find. But something like Mosaic, um, can you maybe talk about what Mosaic is and why it's really, the way I see it is supporting that humanness, that innate ability to learn, that we are all born to learn and that it can look unique to all of us and still be right when it's unique to all of us, the way, the different ways that we do that. How does Mosaic really reflect or support that within our learning lives? I appreciate that, Robin, so much. You know, um, the pandemic provided all of us with a front row seat to how, what, and when our children learn in a way that we could have never imagined. Mm -hmm. And I think over the course of what, three years, <laughs> have a pandemic time frame block. I have no sense of time anymore. But I guess over the you know the last few years, you know, it's really provided many of us, many parents, with an understanding that um some learning environments that, you know, that have, were constructed a hundred years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Just really weren't working for their kids. And um Mosaic has been around before the pandemic. But that pandemic allowed us, and Bill will tell you about the research, to really um, dive into how parents were feeling. And Mosaic was constructed to fill this gap, right? It is a global digital platform and community that's dedicated to supporting this adoption and practice of what we call independent, meaningful learning. Some people call it self-directed learning, self-directed education, unschooling human-centered um, learning environments, learner-centered environments, a lot of nomenclature around it. We mm -hmm. just encapsulated all as independent, meaningful learning. And our philosophy is when children, um, when school-age children, well, when all people, all of us, um, and in this case of this conversation, when young people are provided the opportunity to, to drive what and how and when they learn, to lean into their passions, 
really extraordinary things happen. Um, Mosaic is built to empower these young people, families, and communities to grow and evolve into this intrinsic learning model that honors the whole child, you know, and creates a pathway for them to, to thrive. Mosaic is about creating this community that will have access to shared resources, peer-to-peer communication, thought leadership, support to energize, and also to support this learning journey, right? We've all, myself included, born and raised in a school environment. I'm schoolish. I have spent years trying to unschool myself to unpack kind of my schoolish mindset and that's needed a lot of a lot of support and so mosaic is there and will be there to support parents and young people and leaders in this journey and we're going to do this by elevating and sharing stories and lived experiences of folks who are living this breathing it every day good bad and ugly by creating space for conversations and support and community building um, and enhancing existing independent learning communities. We'll do this by addressing the challenges around equity and accessibility and providing resources and stories that reflect the experiences of all families, including BIPOC families, to embrace this learning pathway because they are. Um, and then lastly, by providing resources to support families and communities navigating this process wherever they are on the journey, whether they're tipping their toe in, whether they're doing it, we call them um, dippers and divers, right? Or whether they're diving completely in, Mosaic will be there to support them. Okay. Okay. So is this something that shifted since the pandemic and the research study that you conducted after getting the results you you know, did the focus shift or has this focus been the same from the very beginning? The focus on supporting and fueling the movement around independent, meaningful learning has not changed or shifted. What was spectacular, and Bill can speak to this, was that um, the results of this research, some of which just astonished us, has allowed us to understand get a little bit more information about what's under the hood of what parents and young people are looking for. For those who are interested in this pathway, in this independent learning pathway, what do they want to know in order to consider embracing it? So the research shifted our or fine-tuned our understanding of how to prioritize our conversations, what they should be about, what's helpful, the content on the site, et cetera. That's been really very powerful. Okay. Okay. So then let's talk a little bit about this research. And, um, you know, what, so what was the beginning of it? Why was it, why? Why did you even begin it to, in the, in the first place? Robert, we did a very extensive landscape analysis. What research was out there? Not just around whether folks were interested in embracing unschooling or self-direction, but how parents were feeling during this, you know, time of great upheaval because of COVID. And what we found was there really wasn't any research out there that was independent around these questions. Mm-hmm. So while there were organizations and foundations who did surveys and some research, it was done from within, right? And Bill and I, as he mentioned, we've worked together for many years. You know, we also come from a space of having done a lot of research in our life. And um, we have, a, you know, I live by the principle of, you know, you can't put research into the field internally and hope you'll just you know create this dialogue of self-fulfilling prophecy it has to be independent it has to look at everything objectively or it's not real data so we didn't find that out in the landscape 
And then, of course, we really didn't find anything that was supportive or helpful or statistically significant um, during this time of the pandemic. So when we decided to do it, um, we intentionally put it in the field after the vaccines were available so that there was some sense from parents of hope, right? Maybe we'll return to quote normal, unquote, whatever that means nowadays, you know, at some time. So that's what led up to um, connect, you know, connecting with um, agency that, that put the survey in the field and, and with Bill um, to uh, put rigor around it. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely do agree. There has not been a lot of research or studies around um, communities that are self-directed um, spaces and um, the creation as well, the motivation and creation of self-directed learn- learning communities and uh, and for kids who've grown up as self-directed learners and how their life looks different from those who have always been in school or school environment. But your research, what did your research ask and then find out? What was the scope of that? Yeah, so the, <clears throat> this, the research was primarily focused on understanding interest in SDE or, or learner-centered education, kind of gauge, do a temperature check on that among a nationally representative sample families in the U.S. <clears throat> with, with kids. Um, and then also to understand what people want, what their goals are for their educational experience, and then what their goals might be for involvement in or engagement in a learner-centered education. <clears throat> so kind of two buckets of things really understanding what do people want from their education in general, and then what might they want from uh, this 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 lane. And, uh, you know, and along the way, we, we learned that what people were interested in. And we also learned what people were not interested in. Um, and uh, all those things, I think, have been been very useful and very uh, interesting and insightful. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to talk a little bit about some of that, if that's useful. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, kind of addressing all three of those things, but first kind of the this issue of um, are people interested in SCE? So the, the way that this was asked um, was whether, you know, the survey asked uh, people whether they might be interested in an educational alternative. So this, it was very broad. It was just, do, do you, do you, are you sort of open to something different? <clears throat> and um, and well, the way that that question different was, from school. Yeah, well, this survey includes actually um, people in all different kinds of learning environments. So this is, I think, an important thing that it's not it's not just um, you know families with kids in traditional kind of public schools, a whole variety of learning environments. Um, the majority, obviously, are are kind of in more traditional public school environments. Uh, the majority of the respondents. But we were interested in finding out, first of all, whether they had they were open to something. And the way that that was defined was, are you open to an alternative where the children or your children lead decisions about what, when, and how they learn? So um, we tried to kind of put some uh, you know detail around what that might be. And um, the the vast majority were. Um, so th- nearly three quarters of our sample, 74%, were interested and in, in, are open to this kind of a possibility. So there's a, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of curiosity and interest and um, openness, you know, whatever the right adjective is. Um, but people are, um, you know, looking for something uh, around their kids' educational experience. And this might be one of those things. And they're, they're definitely interested in a experience where their children 
are more actively engaged in that and not simply, you know, kind of a recipient of the experience. That became very clear. We were just, we were shocked at the number of people that were kind of open open to this. So the big part of it is people wanted their kids to be more actively engaged in their learning process and in their learning yeah. life than they were, than yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just think it's um, useful to come back to this, the, the way I thought the survey did a really um, masterful job the folks who put this together and kind of defining what that might look like, this idea of kind of children lead decisions about what, when, and how they learn. Okay. Now, it's not, they're not the only ones making the decision. It's not uh, a decision being made in absence of collaboration or kind of a surround sound of people, but that they, that their voice, you know, it's their learning. So can you add to that? Okay. I was going to ask if you can maybe give some examples as to, you know, you talked about the goals or what that would look like, but Bonnie, I don't know if that's what you're going to add in. So, uh, I was going to um, embrace what, what Bill was saying and put an exclamation point around it. I, I would say that it was around engagement, but it was also the results showed that um, definitely engagement was critical, but what's just as critical for parents is that our children's learning environments support what we call sort of a sense of personhood, right? Mm-hmm. Social skills to, you know, to participate in society, um, daily life skills that they, it's not just around learning, you know, algebra per se, right? It's around um, being whole human beings. Mm taking into account the whole child, including their wellness and their, you know, their mental health, their mental, their mental support and the rest. And um, that became very clear, you know, in the results of the survey. So I just wanted to highlight that point. And I also want to highlight, you know, as Bill said, 74% of U.S. families in this country in the United States with school-aged children are looking for something else. We we didn't believe it. So Bill and his team crossed up, looked at the data, unpacked it, because we thought that was extraordinary. We were not expecting that volume of number. We were stunned. That is a huge number. And um it's interesting, though, because at the same time, in some ways, probably because of the community I'm in, it's not shocking to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I get a chance to hear from parents often about, you know, they're choosing a life of homeschooling or unschooling or self-directed education um, because the needs are not being met within the school system. I actually also work within public education, too, so I do get both sides of it. And I still get parents who within the public education system, the same, like the results. I mean, I'm in Canada um, that want something different, that are looking for um, their kids to be able to become adults that are not just regurgitating math formulas, but are able to do things that are able to be independent and capable. And they're seeing less of that. Um, so were there specific ideas or explanations or processes that parents were saying, you know, I want my kids to maybe these things that can be offered more for them to have more of a person, a sense of personhood or um, for them to be recognized in this area. Did they were also, were they also able to share specifics within the study as well? Yeah. So, I mean, there were a a range of um, goals that emerged from uh, the research. And Bonnie's kind of alluded to uh, a couple of those already. Um, The way that I think about the results is that people want um, a holistic experience. So what do we mean when we say a holistic experience? Mm -hmm. As Bonnie said, they want 
social skills. So parents want their children to acquire social skills. They also want them to be able to financially support themselves. They want their children to um, be employed doing something they love. So they want them to be employed, and, but they want the employment to not be at the cost of their well-being or their personhood, but they want the employment to come along with something that they love. So I think the way, um, and, and those are the top three things that emerge from the research. Have social skills to participate in society, financially support yourself, and be employed doing something you love. I think um, we traditionally kind of uh, bifurcate those two things and say kind of social skills, social emotional learning, soft skills. We kind of marginalize it by, you know, soft skills. It's kind of in one container and then kind of employment skills and a lot of STEM education and prep for the world is kind of here in this other container. And yeah, and I think we've kind of, um, you know, this kind of left brain, right brain divide, right? And we kind of just have um, constructed an entire education system around that mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, and, and, and parents kind of need to choose and you kind of need to choose uh, which one they want. And I think the results of the survey basically say that's, not, that's just not how people think about it. And anybody who's a parent knows that that's just not the case. That's not how you raise your kids and it's not how you live your life and it's not how you relate to your kids that you want your kids to be able to go into the world and take care of themselves and be ready for adulthood and be ready for the complexities and the challenges of this world including the economic challenges and you want them to be well in doing that uh as part of that and and wellness is also anchored in relationship and so i think the the research is very clear that kind of the relational skills that are needed to be a well adult should not come at the cost of the employment skills that are necessary for living and succeeding in life. And, you know, it's funny that in some sense, this research is remarkable in that finding. Uh, I think the only thing that's actually remarkable about it is that we've kind of documented it and are very clear about it. Yeah. But I, like I said, I think anybody who, has kids or is connected with kids or is any kind of parent in the world um, knows this intuitively about adult children and young people. And, and kids don't see this as uh, uh, a problem either. Um, it comes naturally to, 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 to certainly young children. And what, and by the same token, what families most clearly uh, and specifically don't want is they don't want the things that schools are really good at. So the thing that um, they're th the least uh, uh, highly ranked, the lowest ranked educational goals are meeting or exceeding grade level on academic standards. And, and not surprisingly, the lowest ranked goal was meet or exceeding grade level on standardized tests. Mm. So, you know, the currency of kind of traditional education, grades and tests are the things that uh, people most uh, most clearly do not want. And I think the other thing that's important here is that to note that these things we we looked at these data um, by uh, community by race. It, this transcends kind of community and identity. This is across the board. These are the kind of the lowest rated thing. So there's, you know, no matter what a youth's experience in these systems are, everybody's kind of in agreement on what they don't want. Right. Um, yeah. And yet we keep doing it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it's funny because you said at the top of the list of what they don't want are the things that schools are good at. Ironically, yeah, right. you know, yeah. that statement yeah. itself is kind of like, okay. Um, you know, one, I well, think, are, are schools looking at this this survey? Are they schools looking at the study? <laughs> well, yeah, I, was, I was about to say, Robin, it's how they were designed. It's the grand yeah. design. Yeah. So yeah, it's right. not that they're good at it. This is how they were designed. Um, and so they're very good at what they were designed to do. Um for all the reasons, mm. you know, over the the course of the last hundred years, right? Um, you know, we are talking with 
organizations, institutions, foundations, teacher groups um, who are within the system uh, or the traditional system. You know, I there are so many brilliant and well-intentioned initiatives out there around social emotional learning, project-based learning, you know, trying to um, not be quite so um, uh, dedicated to standardized tests, but yet schools are accountable to common core curriculum, to hitting certain marks every month, to hitting certain numbers every month. And that's, that's a real dynamic. Mosaic, that's not the dynamic we work within. Um, we are not anti-school by any stretch of the imagination. We see ourselves, though, as working outside or alongside the traditional school setting um, to really create space for young people to find their voice and their agency to direct their own learning pathway. And I would say, you know, for a lot of um, homeschoolers, you know, out there, and, and this might be your experience, you know, for some, you know, I know my stepdaughter homeschools her four kids under the age of 11. You know, there's a certain adherence to it's school at home, mm -hmm. right? You have to hit certain marks. It varies by state, what you're accountable to do and what you've got to kind of upload on the system and all that kind of things. Um, uh, and so even for homeschoolers, um, where we actually see a lot of evolution into the self-directed space in part or wholly, you know, what Mosaic, what we hope to do is create space for homeschoolers and such to come learn about what this self-directed model means and feels and smells like. Because like, they might want to embrace some of those tenants in their week, you know, how they think about, you know, what their children are, are doing every day in a less structured, I'll say, quote, schoolish, unquote, kind of way. Mm. Do you think it's easier to, for then Mosaic, to support parents and kids within community as opposed to supporting schools when, you know, in so many ways, allowing agency is just not something that really, um, <laughs> the schools aren't really capable of doing and, and, and not, and I mean, I say this because I understand how it works as well. They are accountable to government agencies. Government agencies are accountable to voters or strong lobbying that wants things a certain way. The structure of a school is based on a very hierarchy. I'm not trying to say this word. And on hierarchy, um, you know, the levels, the very layered levels of top down. Um, and usually as much as we say schools are for our kids, our schools are at the bottom of that pyramid you know, our kids are at the bottom of the pyramid. Uh, so having and supporting and saying we want to support agency within a school system is almost like, it's almost an oxymoron in some ways. Do you think Mosaic would have a better time supporting parents and kids to do it on their own outside of the school system? We are only supporting outside of the school system. Okay, okay. Um, and we agree with 100% of what you just said. Um, we also applaud... And, you know, there are a lot of well-intentioned initiatives and organizations out there working within the system. We come from a space of tinkering within the system is not what we're about. Okay. Um, I, Bonnie, would say we've been tinkering with the system for 75 years and <laughs> it's not really working. Um, and so we are only working outside the system. Uh, you know, there might be a world in the future where Mosaic and its principles, you know, a decade or two from now, you know, work within a school system, depending on how they evolve. But that's not our focus right now. Okay. Uh, we're focused on those 74%, 19 million families who are looking for another way. And, you know, we often say self-direction, independent, meaningful learning, 
it's not a one size fits all approach. Mm-hmm. It looks different for every family. It's not the way, it's a way. Uh, and what our goal is, is to raise awareness around that opportunity as a choice. Mm-hmm. All about choice um, for parents who are just, you know, looking for what their options were. I often tell the story of if I had known this sort of unschooling world, right, this independent, meaningful learning world was an option a decade and a half ago, I might have made different decisions for my kids. Mm. I might um, But I didn't even know it was an option. And so that's what Bill and I and the Mosaic team are dedicated to is getting the word out that this is an option. This is what this pathway could mean to you. Um, How can we support you Uh, in building that kind of infrastructure of guidance um, to help families? So do you think the 74% would have been a different number before the pandemic, before parents? Because the pandemic in some ways pushed or offered that there are other options, but maybe parents never saw that there was before. Do you think the numbers would have been different? I will share my answer and then Bill, I'll log to you. I think that the fact that parents had a front row seat to what and how and when their children were learning was an eye-opening experience. Mm. I talked to my friends with school-age kids and they were better, worse, or whatever. They were, it wasn't always a wonderful experience what they were seeing. Right. And how their kids were struggling. And I'm not just saying struggling with the, you know, the, the remote aspect of it, which was its own dynamic, but just even the, what they were learning and what they were being tested on and all those kinds of when we send our kids to school, we don't see that, right? We see whatever's in the book bag that comes home or whatever we they're open to talking about at the dinner table. So I think just this front row seat changed the dynamic of how parents are thinking. But that's my point of view, Bill. What would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know whether um, folks would have felt differently. I mean, I totally agree with what Bonnie is saying that you know, two years or whatever it was of Zoom school, I think gave people, right, a a much deeper understanding of what was actually happening. Now, obviously, the experience of the pandemic and what education was, was not, you know, was not a fair assessment of what actually happens in the classroom or within schools either. But it gave people a a flavor of it. Um, I think the biggest issue um around this maybe i'm just thinking about what you said about about agency robin and to me i think that that is actually um the issue that sort of sits at the heart of so much of this and i do think the pandemic and the experience of being home and being cut off from one another has um you know kind of emphasized or refocused people's attention on their own ability to shape and direct their own lives. Mm. Um, I I think that, you know, I think that we see that in so many ways coming out of the pandemic, right. In terms of kind of values. And I think we see agency as a core desire in these research results. So you know, we asked people what they wanted, what their goals, right, what their goals were for their educational experience, but then people were asked what their goals were for participation in learner centered education or in student-directed education in SCE. And the and the top results were children learn uh, while pursuing their own interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and children have the opportunity to learn their social and emotional life skills. So a lot of kind of parallel to what they just want from education in general. But the, the, one of the top uh, goals were, was children are engaged and take the lead in their own education. So this idea that, that, that going back to the very beginning around 
you know, what's the definition and are people interested in this thing that, that we've defined? We see this consistently in the results that people want, um, parents want, parents or caregivers want their children to uh, have an active role, have agency in driving their education. I, I, you know, I, we don't know whether that, what the results would have been four years ago, but I just think in general, we're, we're all paying a lot more attention. We're all probably trying to bring a lot more intentionality to our lives mm-hmm. as a result of the pandemic. And I think people want their kids to do that in school too. And I think teachers want that and administrators want that. And but I think everybody wants that for themselves and for their careers and for the, the kids they're working with. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I do think everybody, you know, speaking of adults, want that for their careers. <laughs> and, a, and a great way to do that and practice that is to start, you know, I think in some ways, self-direction and agency is, it's a practice. It's almost like a muscle that you build and get good at from constant use in so many ways, right? Um, and so doing that for allowing that, allowing or supporting an environment that allows our kids to exercise that muscle from a young age is extremely important. And so, yeah, I think the work that Mosaic is doing in really trying to get the word out about choice and supporting others to do that um, is important. Because uh, I also think, you know, and also this is also from my work in the other world <laughs> and how much of it, and I think you guys hear it in the States too, the big worry about school is like, our kids are behind because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there's learning loss. It's all about like, there's learning loss, our kids are behind, how are we going to catch them up? It's like, you know, they're six years old and they're not doing this, 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 and this. We haven't prepared them. What are we going to do now? Um, it's about like these, I think I find it's even more so about the benchmarks. There absolutely is a conversation on wellness and mental health. There is. So I can't dismiss that because um, I think teachers are the ones that are really dealing with that and focusing on that. And it's, you know, that idea that you can't learn if you do, don't feel safe. So if you're coming in on any point and you're not safe, healthy, comfortable, again, you're not the whole beingness is not supported. It's even that much more difficult to learn. But um, but I but I also see as well that there are many that want this. I mean, 74% is a big number. Really, it's a very big number. But what for what about those who, you know, it's not very accessible for them to to do that? You know, what about the pet families that want to offer a greater life of self-direction and agency, but, you know, they are working from like, I don't even want to say nine to five, they're working from eight until seven, both parents, they're busy, Um, you know, they can, you know, they want to be with their kids more, but they're just worried that they can't, they, you know, there's bills, there's debts, there's all of these other factors around them that make it really difficult to even see that that can be a choice for them. Is that yeah. something that Mosaic has also considered within the research and within the agency or within the agency, within within what Mosaic is building as well? Absolutely. It's a great point because, you know, accessibility um, uh, is critical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we envision a world where there are, there are hundreds of centers all around the country. We'd like to see thousands of centers across the country. So we have a long game goal of increasing, you know, building a coalition of funders to support the creation, development, and sustainability of centers around the country. And one way we envision doing that is, you know, I've gone around the country talking to centers in many, many states. And one of the great challenges is they feel they're starting from scratch all the time. Right. And so how can we, we being Mosaic, just as we want to create collaborative environments for young people and families, right? It is collaborative education in a way, right? Collaborative learning with your parent. We want to create collaborative models for centers around the country. So what are successful models that maybe exist in Georgia that could exist in Michigan, that could exist in Washington state. It varies a lot by state, 
and the rules and regulations around children outside of a traditional school environment, but there are models out there that work. What we want to do is be the connective tissue to what's working for others out there. We want to create space to share success stories, to share stories of what hasn't worked, um, which is often as helpful. So long way way of saying, yes, what you talk about in terms of accessibility and, you know, single parent households, dual parent households, but everybody's working crazy hours and you're lucky if you come home and you can put a meal on the, you know, a healthy meal on the table because we're also crazy busy. How do we support all families? Not just, you know, frankly, families privilege, right? Mm -hmm. um, where maybe one parent is able to stay at home and manage this. And the way to do that is to scale and deepen um, the number of family co-ops that are embracing this, centers who are embracing this, et cetera, et cetera. So you can find one close by. So you're the you're the connect you're the spoke that connects the the wheel. Or the hub, I should say, that connects all of the spokes of the wheel. It's funny, Robin, long, long, long time ago, years ago, when this idea emerged, we were calling it the hub. <laughs> <laughs> and then we fell in love with the word mosaic because it was a perfect fit for the mosaic we hope to create. Mm. Many different unique spaces that come together as one. Yeah, we were inspired by the shape, you know, of a tangram mosaic puzzles that give young people the autonomy to build it in their own way. Mm. So we play a lot with this idea of mosaic and the tiles and how they all fit together. Okay. I like that. I definitely like that. So I, I would, you know, are, is the study available for everyone to, to see now? Like I know parents, cause this is one thing, a lot of time parents say, you know, I'm interested, but my in-laws are asking to see some research on, you know, is, are, do people really want this or is this just you <laughs> and an idea that you have? Or, you know, I want to find out more information. I mean, many educators say, you know, does this really work? Is this, you know, is this absolutely viable? Um, I've had a chance to see the research, which is, you know, wonderful, but how can others access this and learn more and, and read about it? Um, yeah, so... Oh, go ahead, Molly. Well, as I say, for folks who are listening, if you go to wearebornto-learn.org, on the landing page, on that homepage, if you scroll down, you'll be connected directly to the research, both an executive summary that Bill wrote, as well as a article that um, Bill wrote and co-authored with many prestigious um, um, collaborators that will be published this month in the International Journal of Progressive Education. What's on the website is a, um, the full version of it. Sorry, Bill, I stepped on you. No, no that's, uh, that's basically what I was going to say. Um, I do think, I just want to kind of rub into your point about does it work? Um, and there is a, a um, growing body of evidence that supports um, the outcomes, educational outcomes that are associated with these different kinds of modalities. Um, and, and we need more. And so that's definitely um, a, a route for the future. I, I do, um, you know, I do want to kind of say, I think the question that we ought to be asking is, does the educational experience that the vast majority of children uh, receive, does that work? Mm. Um, because I think frequently whenever there's kind of a disruption or a model that is looking to disrupt business as usual, one of the first things that's said is, does it work? Yeah. Um, without actually interrogating what the assumptions beneath that, which is the presumption that, well, everything that we do do actually does work and anything that poses a challenge to that needs to meet the, the, the burden of, of, you know, of evidence. And it does. We need to have evidence to support this. But I'm also, you know, I'm just I'm cautious about any kinds of models that come in that are trying to offer something else, particularly something that's aligned with what 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 families want, 
And one of the challenges that I think is often posed is, well, where's the evidence for it? Does it work? What are the outcomes? What's the impact? And without actually asking that of the thing it's trying to interrupt, right? Because there's there's actually not a huge amount of evidence that shows that the current educational system works. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus yeah. on grades and testing. Well, what does it mean? Yeah. And what are the outcomes? And what do those things actually predict in uh, wellness and well-being and economic success? Um, so, you know, I, I, I am all for uh, uh, questioning and for evidence. I just want to see it on everything. Mm. Um, yeah, not, not just the disruptors. Mm, I agree. I think that's a great point. Um, and I also find that often <laughs> or to asking if things work, if it's successful. Um, and I bring this up because of how the research went and the results that you guys got. And I, and yeah. parents had asked me this question, like, well, does self-directed learning work? Does homeschool, does unschooling work? But sometimes what I find is that parents are measuring it on the same ideas right. and benchmarks as school when it's very different. And in some ways, it's like if you are, you know, school will say, well, it does work. We are forming our citizens in a specific way and manner. So we are doing our job while the entire life and process of homeschooling or unschooling self-directed learning, and they can be different in their unique forms, is different from the industrial model of school in many ways. So it's almost like you're looking for the same outcomes but you want to do it differently, but you want to get the same results. And I think often, sure, you can get similar results, absolutely. But, you know, you also have to be okay or understand that, you know, often you're living life a certain way, so your outcomes and results will look very different. And so yeah. that measuring of success of school, like, well, did they get into Yale with this GPA? Um, yeah, I know unschoolers who got into Yale, absolutely, but they did it because of their experiences, their creative projects, their interviews, because they were different, and they had no GPA to show. Like, my kids do not have a GPA. They haven't had a grade in, I don't know, like, since they went to school in grade one. So, you know, it's looking for certain outcomes, and you're... You know, it's kind of like you have to also that unschooling, that de-schooling, letting go of those certain ideas and expectations yeah. that don't align with um, that are very different from school as well. Yeah. But I, really I, I agree on the research. Sorry, Bonnie. I was going to say, I really appreciate you bringing up this idea of de-schooling, right? Because um, if we're able to shed the constructs of how we've all of our schoolishness, as it were, right? Then your mind is opened to different possibilities. Mm -hmm. One way Mosaic seeks to make that happen is by sharing the stories of those people who were unschooled and got into Yale. Mm -hmm. Those people who were unschooled didn't go on to college, secondary education and have a thriving entrepreneurial business. Mm -hmm. And I could go on and on and on with my list. But until we start to raise awareness around the thousands and thousands of successful, quote, and successful unschoolers, or young people who followed that path, who were thriving as adults, we need to create a space for them to tell their story. Absolutely. So that <laughs> the, the whatever percentage of the 74% see themselves and see their young people in those stories. Mm -hmm. It's important to see yourself in those stories and that it's possible, right? To see that there is possibility in that. And I, and I think as well that, you know, what Bill was also saying of, you know, the goals, social skills, being able to financially support themselves and being employed doing something you love those are not benchmarks usually on the other side as well, but they are benchmarks that 74% of families and parents want and that can happen with a life of self-directed education and agency as well. So here, here. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, I'm I we are at our time and um I you guys are both welcome on and again at any time. I would love to talk about this more. I know there's more to dive into with the research as, as well, but if we if you go to wearebornto-learn.org, you can find the study and find the research. Is there any other um, website or social media or any other link that you'd like to share with the listeners today that they can reach you or find out more? I encourage folks to go to the website wearebornto-learn.org that you just mentioned, and then there'll be um, links there to our social media. So wherever you live, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or all of the above, please follow us and please join us. Um, we'd really appreciate it. And we'd like to, you know, hear from you around what you're what you're looking for, what would be helpful for you to know. Um, because you know, at our core, we are built for and by the community. Um, and uh, your audience is part of that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bill and Bonnie. I really appreciate you both coming on. I'll put it in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can also go to the show notes and I'll have the link there. It'll be easy to connect and just click on the link too. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. homeschooling.com.